I had a really great additional introduction to do, but I think I won't. I'll just help me welcome Lee Jeter, please. Good morning. There's something about all souls that when you walk through the door and you look at the beautiful earth and the environment around you and that surrounds you that just lifts up your soul. So it's a pleasure and honor to be here again. I'm honored to be here, and I'm also very, very, very humble and honored to be your 2016 Ralph Waldo Emerson Award recipient. And I must be honest and admit that I'm in awe of some of the past recipients and that my induction into this community of recipients and organizations is because of individuals that have been honored before me. I took the liberty to look up some information, and I know last year's recipient was Dr. Brian Savatori. And Brian and I, we agree on our support for the Allendale community and the rights of the people of Allendale to exist without living under a bridge or becoming homeless because of one as well as the work that he has done along with Francis Kelly, the previous recipient, and others to ensure that the open tray burn is now permanently off the table for good at Camp Minden. <laughs> Ironically, Francis was an AmeriCorps member uh, for me, and we served together, and and Francis and I share some common political views, though I must admit that I'm, I'm not as ready to go to jail as Francis. <laughs> I just somehow don't feel that the treatment that I would receive would be the same. <laughs> so I stand here today as an Emerson recipient because I'm standing on the shoulders of Sister Margaret McCaffrey. Reverend Mike McCarter, Lady Carson in Northern and Central Louisiana Interfaith, the two past recipients and others that have come this way before me. When I was informed that I was selected as your 2016 Emerson, I began to think of all of the other community leaders and the people that I know that serve, that in my opinion are more deserving than I. So I can't take full credit for being here because I realize that I'm here by faith and that it is no accident that today is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost in, in my faith is celebrated 50 days after Easter with the first and the last day inclusively. And so in the New Testament, Pentecost was the occasion of the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and other followers of Jesus. So therefore, it's in that context that I will share some of my personal journey with you and prayfully 
you will see that we have some common ground. In the book of Acts, that second chapter, first verse, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Today, we're all together in one place, and we are on one accord. So we're gathered here today because of our faith and our belief in faith. An assured belief of the human dignity of every person. And a shared belief of justice, equality, and compassion for all people. And a shared belief that we should love our enemy and be acceptance of and encouraging of one to another. That no matter what our differences, we're a better people, we are a better city, a better state, and a better nation when we put aside our personal difference, our personal agendas, when we put those aside and allow our belief in something that is greater than ourselves to guide us. On that day of Pentecost, 11 faithful disciples and Matthias, who was Judas' replacement, They'd gather after Jesus' ascension up to heaven in his resurrected body 40 days after the resurrection. But of these 12, the original 12, Judas was a Judean. All the others was Galilean. All of the original 12 was Jewish, religiously, politically, and by birth. But on the day of Pentecost, on today's day, Scripture tells us that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Therefore, I can surmise that because of their ethnic background and political views, it was necessary and understandable that they would wait in Jerusalem for 10 days for the Holy Spirit to descend upon them. And it is that Holy Spirit that brought them on one accord that allow them and allows us to be able to spread the gospel and the church to all nations, to all tribes, to all tongues, to all people. So today, how does a country boy from the Scopina Plantation, from Elm Grove, Sligo, Curtis, MacDave, become an Emerson? if not by the Holy Spirit, if not by faith, if not by standing on the shoulders of others. Because it's not without faithful individuals having a belief in justice, equality, and compassion for all people that we would be standing here. We share in a belief that we should love our enemy and be acceptance of and encouraging of one to another. But I want to share with you. See, when I came from the plantation in those little country, rural backwoods, I can remember when I left an all-black school that was grades 1 through 12 to be integrated into an all-white high school. 
And I can remember these words. If I remember nothing else, I can remember that first day sitting in that gymnasium. The first words that I heard from my new principal was these words. I don't have nothing against niggas. And I can remember as a freshman, sitting in a freshman class where I was the only black kid in the class, and as a joke, the students elected me as a freshman representative to the student council. Little did they know that the joke would be on them. Because my election to the student council at this particular school made me work a little bit harder, walk a little bit straighter, and ensure that I would show them that what they perceived to be a joke, I took as an opportunity. I seized it as an opportunity. So I often share with those that care enough to listen, and I'm sorry that Barbara didn't give y'all a choice today, <laughs> that each step I've made each accomplishment that I've achieved was all preordained and orchestrated by God, by the God that I served, even at the time that I did not know it. See, when I graduated high school, I graduated high school at the age of 17. I knew and had a desire to go to college, but I also knew that I, I was raised by a single mother, raising eight children, and she could not afford to send me to college. So I worked, and I straight, and we sacrificed, and we saved every dime that we could in order for me to be the first of my family to be able to go to college, to be able to catch a city bus from Bossier to downtown Shreveport, to get on another bus to go to a place on the Cooper Road that was called Southern University Shreveport Bossier. But I knew with eight kids and working two jobs that my mother could not afford to continue to make the sacrifices to send me to college. So in December of 1976, I made a decision. I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps because I know that military would give me these things. They would give me three hots and a cot. And I know that by enlisting in December of 1976 that I would get the Montgomery GI Bill and that Montgomery GI Bill would be able to pay for my education to continue to go to college. What I did not know at that time that I would have to continue to prove myself over and over again. That the military that I entered was not much different from the integrated high school that I'd entered. I also know that it was those things that made me strong. And while serving in the military, little did I know that in 1979, I would get a Red Cross call from a friend back here in Bossier City while stationed in Okinawa, Japan. A Red Cross call that told me my entire family in Bossier City, Louisiana, had been arrested for inside the ride. And that my baby brother, was facing a charge of attempted murder of a police officer. And I had never heard of the name of an attorney by the name of Henry Walker. But to him, I owed a debt of gratitude 
for defending my brother from that charge and not only saving my brother's life, but changing his life. See, it's amazing what can happen when we can all come together on one accord, no matter what our differences, no matter our ethnicity, no matter our gender, no matter our political belief, on one accord in a belief of dignity, equality, and justice for all human relations. So a young man, myself, that grew up wanting to be a police officer, that had lost faith in the fairness of the criminal justice system, that wanted to be an attorney but time and money would not allow it, little did I know as a young man that what God had in store for me was to make a difference in the lives of others. Retired from the Marine Corps in 1997, I've had the opportunity to mentor over 600 young adults. I actually quit counting 540. I'm blessed to serve with organizations that build homes for low-income working families that have had the opportunity to open up a neighborhood grocery store in a low-income food desert community, a grocery store that does not sell alcohol, that does not sell beer, does not sell cigarettes, does not depend on that clientele to come and change this community. I have been blessed with the opportunity to work on social justice issues such as mass incarceration, poverty, homelessness, criminal justice reform, food insecurity, voter participation, and education. And I have no idea what tomorrow will bring. But for this, I'm sure. When the Lord calls sin, whom shall I send? Who will go? Then I know what I will say. Here I am, Lord. Send me. See, because I don't, I don't have much money, but what I do I have is T I. M-E, time. I have time, and whatever time I have, I can use for the betterment of my community and the betterment of society. Because the time that I have, if I don't use it, it's wasted. His loss is gone forever. And with that time, I have intelligence. I may not be as smart as some others. I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. But what intelligence I have, I can use that to support and to help others. What little money I have, I can share it with others. I can share it with those that are less fortunate. I can multiply that resource by consolidating it with other resources. And what I truly know that I have is an abundance of energy. And it's that energy that I focus on that common belief and our, our shared goals rather than our difference. See, because I believe that it is our differences, our differences, that has made this country great. I believe that. I believe our differences, the, the uniqueness of each of us has made this a great country. But I also believe that unless we learn to respect and to love one another. Those very same differences that have made us so great can and will destroy us. And that we cannot become as a people, as a nation, 
so obsessed with our differences, with our power, with our glory, with our wealth, that we come so arrogant that we become like King Solomon, that we forget about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when we do that, and if we do that, our differences would destroy us. We all have differences, fears. We all have fear of failure, fear of those that look different from us, fear of other nationalities, fear of those that have a different sexual orientation or sexual preference. We have a fear of this, we have a fear of that, but we should not be driven as a people. We should not be driven as a nation by our fears. We should never allow our fears to interfere with our faith. See, in that upper room, prior to the Pentecost, the disciples devoted themselves to prayer. And their prayer was to receive power. Not authority, but power. And it's in that power that we can help others. It's in that power that was received on the day of Pentecost that makes us great and unique, not giving us authority one over another, but the power to be brothers, to be sisters, to love one another, to share with one another, to help one another. That is the power that was received on the day of Pentecost. The power to be looked beyond our ethnicity, our different religious views, our different political views. The power to love, to love those in Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Our trials, our nations, all tongues. Mother Teresa said this, that at the end of life, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we have received how much money we've made, how many great things we have done, we will be judged by. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was homeless, and you took me in. On these things as a civilization, on these things we should be on one accord. It is in the words of St. Francis that we should be on one accord and that our faith should make us an instrument of peace. Where there's hatred, we should show love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's discard, harmony. Where there's error, truth. And where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there's sadness, joy. Grant us that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardon that we are pardoned. So as I close, I accept this award and honor, this Emerson, in honor of a young boy, 
a young boy that believed in peace. Believed that peace grows when we're no longer afraid, nor angry, nor hating, nor the cause of any suffering. Peace grows when we're united in hope. And those are the words of a little boy that died when he was nearly 14. The words of Maddie J.T. Suspanic. So when those disciples was locked behind the closed doors for fear of their own, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. He said to them, and he showed them his hands and his side, and they rejoiced. Again, he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if we, and if you forgive anyone, his sins, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. We have an obligation to forgive our brothers and sisters for whatever transgressions they make against us. We have an obligation. I'm fearful of where we're going as a nation. I'm fearful of the regulations and the rules that we're making about individuals, about nationalities, about people out of our fear. But we cannot let that fear destroy us. And it's on this day and all of the days of our life that we should come together on one accord and be guided in all of our actions about our faith and our belief that we're much, much better together than we will ever be apart. I thank you for this honor to be included in a great number of people that have had the privilege of holding up an Emerson. And I thank you very much for the honor to be able to continue to work together on one accord to make our state, our city, and our nation better for all people. Oh.